God. So it worked. That, no, but the first part of it still sounded like Satan was spitting in your mouth. And then the last part of it was like the chipmunks. It? it did. It totally did. Oh, I missed it. I just don't have a good ear. It went up like a whole like uh, pitch step or two, if not more. And then the end was like too high. <laughs> it's like anyone who might be listening to this thinks that we're just dicking around with the theme song. It has nothing to do with us. No, no. There's Of all the things we're dicking around with, that's not one of them. I mean, yeah, that could... <laughs> Hmm. Uh, how did you know why I was late to the podcast recording? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good thing it's not a video podcast this episode. Yeah, but yeah, but you're, you've got to see me. For everyone at home, <laughs> Jeff can see me. So, yep, and there's a if, lot of evidence. If this. podcast hosts could talk, <laughs> if they could talk, that'd be something. So, so kind of a shorter episode than we're used to. Probably, maybe only like one or two social justice issue, issues mixed in with this week. But right, uh, Jeff and I, due to being on opposite sides of the known universe, uh, have to <laughs> find time that we can uh, overlap uh, while we're where we're both awake, not parenting, and not writing. And uh, this is what we got. So, do do want to just kick things off with Arsenal, Jeff? Just jump into it. Boom! Start with the glory. What a, I mean, well, I, I will say this: it's not. It was nice of us to wait until United had a chance to like have Suck. their own moment <laughs> of glory and score a last-minute winner. Um, but man, like it was definitely a tale of two teams over this weekend because you were like pretty despondent on Saturday, and then on Sunday I was like over the freaking moon watching that game. Well, it was kind of like the Freaky Friday, not not either of the <laughs> movies, not the Jodie Foster movie, and not the, was it Lindsay Lohan? Or no, it was Parent Trap. No, but she was also Freaky Friday, right? Is she just like, was there a 60s movie starring a young woman? Lindsay Lohan is now that character. Is that like her thing? Maybe. Yeah, because she also did the, what's the one with like the weird little VW bug called like Hugo or something? Herbie. Herbie, yes. It's, Hugo is a very different movie by Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, it's like Lindsay Lohan plays. I don't. I don't know the plot enough to make a joke about it. Damn it! I walked right into that. It was a bit like, um, yeah, Herbie was a. Wasn't it like kind of Knight Rider, but like possessed, but cheery. Yeah, it was like it. Disney presents Knight Rider is a good way to think of it. Uh, I loved Knight Rider. Loved the Knight Rider. Was it the writing or was it more the night that really got you into it? It was the night and it was the Hasselhoff. And honestly, what really made it for me was Mr. Feeney, like just like and the, and the song like Mr. But Mr. Feeney always just poking a hole like every time Hasselhoff was like getting his ire up and then Mr. Feeney be like, well, perhaps you shouldn't be such a dumb douche. <laughs> well, whenever he would go, hello, Michael, like it, I, I would almost want him to be like, and Mr. Matthews, <laughs> like that was be- yes, exactly. <laughs> like, like how was there? Was there ever? Was it even like ever mentioned on Boy Meets World? Like there should have been like an episode where he had like a cool Trans Am and a leather jacket or something. I don't know. They, they should have somehow they, they, worked. They, I don't think they ever did because uh, I definitely watched every episode of Boy Meets World and can tell you all of the meta jokes from memory. Like I of the fact so- that. Well, no, there was, like, one season where they had, like, I don't know, like, Morgan, the youngest sister, was, like, eight or nine. And yeah. then the next season, they recast her as someone who was, like, a spunky tween. 
And she came down from upstairs <laughs> and she went, I was upstairs for a long time. Like, that was how they let off yep. the episode. And I was like, this is <laughs> that's the funniest joke in any, like, ABC TGIF sitcom ever. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'll give him that. Starting with hyperbole. <laughs> funniest joke ever made. <laughs> Speaking of funniest Speaking jokes of ever made, jokes. Uh, <laughs> so so Jeff, what were the what were the two Arsenal fixtures? I know we're not a recap podcast, but it didn't watch. Well, <laughs> so that's the funny thing. I don't know if that was a sneak diss there, but like this week, it sort of felt like, oh yeah, who are we playing midweek? Like, I mean, I hadn't looked past the North London Derby on the you know schedule or whatever, and then I realized, oh yeah, like. This is something called European football. Oh, sorry. So uh, we actually do not have a midweek fixture. This is uh, unlike, this is not the Carabao Cup, which we were invited to. This is not the uh, the FA Cup, which I imagine we will attend later this year. Well, you were invited to the Carabao Cup. We were asked to immediately leave because we smelled like shit. That was our... <laughs> yes, there's that. It was oh, right, af- right after beating West Ham in dramatic fashion, we just lost to them like we just capitulated it wasn't it wasn't even mm. a, a ma- i think it was like 28 shots and 2xg which divided across 28 shots is like just Not it's like walking up to every woman you see on the street and saying will you marry me will you marry me that's <laughs> manchester united's attacking philosophy at the moment that is it i'm glad you brought that up because i was going to say like i didn't have a chance to watch the match but i did see the score line and i thought oh was this just one of those games where like you sort of get screwed and like you know what i mean like do you have eight big chances and nobody can bury it because they keep slipping on banana peels or the goalie has the game of his life this is just this is just someone like asking you to go home with them within the like on the subway for anyone listening at home that's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, it's like every <laughs> shot is a lottery ticket. And it's like desperation and insecurity in our attacking approach. But it's so funny. at this, like The season started with like, oh man, United's going to challenge the title. And Jeff is going to be sad because Arsenal. And it kind of felt like for a whole week. Like back to the Freaky Friday comment. Uh, ah. And by the way, I think we're the, we're the <laughs> we're little dicky. We're the little dicky Chris Brown Freaky Friday. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, and yeah. I don't want to go any further into that joke. Nope. There's two or three more levels, and we don't want it. We don't have but, time for any social justice issues on this podcast today. And, and I don't want to make fun of your penis. So I think, <laughs> but it, but it's it's interesting in that like even a small sample size of like three or four matches where you get the results you want, it's like you're still just like. 90 minutes away from being miserable and it's such a weird like depression feeling yeah. that, that you bring with you through the football season i mean it is it's it's especially weird early in the season because like if i'm if i'm being totally logical every coach right now like no one is working on full steam every team has injuries and red cards and like every team is still trying to slot in all the players that they spent millions on over the summer and figure out who's gonna work and who isn't like there's so many moving parts to it but really what I've noticed is like if you lose two games, like there's going to be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who are going to say that you need to lose your job. And that was definitely like, I, I mean, I've been, I, fi- I always kind of peruse like Red Devils and some of, I always wanted to know what Man United fans were thinking, you crazy people. But well, I can uh, speak for all of us if you ever are curious. Right. That's what this podcast is. <laughs> Skylar speaking for every single Manchester United fan, even the ones that disagree. Um <laughs> But you mean the, those are called Manchester City fans? Uh, 
Yeah, it's everyone in Manchester is what. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, like it. It seems like people are looking at like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Close, you're getting there. You're getting closer. Um, episode every episode, episode, a little bit better. Um, they're saying like this guy is a fraud. And it's weird because I feel like not that long ago, I mean, everyone was pretty much on side with him like two weeks ago even. And then now, but like, I don't know. I've been saying this from the beginning. I've always thought that it's like too, I don't know. This is a guy, actually, I, I think I have a quote here. Let oh my God, Jeff I'm, brought a quote. I'm let me look fraud. at the quote. I'm the fraud. Um, uh, well, there's a couple quotes here. My favorite podcasts involve a lot of looking for things. Yes, quote, <laughs> quote, quote. Guys, I got a great story to tell you. Uh, I just got to go find it. I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and it's in one of the drawers in my kitchen. So you I will be You said to have an assistant like Joe Rogan or whatever, where you say like, uh, like, hey, Jamie, can you pull that up? Jamie, Jamie, can you pull that up for us? Um, I don't, you know, because that's a lot cooler than me just looking at my iPhone and not paying attention to the conversation that we're broadcasting around the world. Um. I don't see it, but basically someone asked him, like, what is what is your take on, like, strategy in soccer? And Ole basically said something along the lines of, like, well, it's all about desire, isn't it? And, like, that was sort of it. And it was like, well, it's not all about desire. Um, I think and I can explain him if, it, if it's helpful. Yes. Like... You're, He's a Manchester United fan, so obviously you speak for him. I speak for him, uh, and I speak as him. But also, it's that I think <laughs> I think yeah, I've speak been speaking his accent, please. I mean, it, it, it's going to just sound like Schwarzenegger, man. Anything that's not British <laughs> is Schwarzenegger. So until um, you get to Kazakhstan, and then it becomes Borat. Yeah. Yes, I know how he, accents work. <laughs> which then is that's correct. a few characters away from Greek, as we both know. Um, but. But Ole is like, I mean, Jeff and I, for those at home who don't know us personally, both work in advertising. And I think we can both relate to this. And maybe you can even if you don't work in advertising. But there are some bosses who are bosses who are great at the people management aspect of it. And they make you feel great about working hard. They make you feel like you're part of a team. They, they make you feel appreciated. They say thank you. But then mm-hmm. when it comes to like, all right, this work is that we're working on is like a B and we, we need it to be an A to win this project or to, to go get to produce this thing. And they don't know, they have no idea how to make it creatively better. That, right. that what I just described is, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's he's, he's got the, all of the man management things you would want in a United manager. Like, like basically per, he's perfect at that. And it's when it comes to like the chess, the chess moves, he is a checkers player. Yeah, that's exactly my in, my impression of him is that like he strikes me as a really good assistant coach for someone, you know, who like can get the guy like the, he's like the dressing room influence. And he kind of he definitely having been a player like he gets the psychological side of it. And I could see how like you'd want to run through a wall if you were playing for him like he's that kind of guy. But on some level, I'm just I don't know. I'm not sure that is enough anymore. It It could be. But the thing that you that I would ask you to think about is like so Ferguson was maybe the best motivator of all time. He had even sort of more tricks than Ole does. But right. Ferguson also reinvented himself through multiple full team reboots, where like he right. had a, a squad that won everything. They all have to go away because they get older, and and that right. that steam runs out, and he's got to do it again from scratch. And he's done it multiple times, and that's kind of what separates him, I think, from 
many of the of the top managers of all time is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Well, yeah, no, there's but, a few things. But, but Ferguson, when he was reinventing those teams, wasn't like he's not. He was not a tactical mastermind. What he did is he would have an assistant coach who would handle tactics. He'd have another coach who would handle training, and he would basically just be like Obama. Like he would just be like, "Yes, we can," and gotcha. or throw literally becomes throw the a CEO of the team. Exactly, but he he was like perfect as that, and and I'm not saying he was tech tactically inept or anything like that it's just that he would rely on other younger yeah. minds who he wasn't an who were, x's and o's guy or or he was and then like the game changed so many different times that for like a 70 year old guy yeah. to, to change it's hard so why not just have someone younger that you can trust who's like this is how we now play counterattacking, or 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 change or this is a new change of formation that's gonna fuck everyone up that's playing 442 so right. so if Ole had the right people around him i think it could work I don't think he does, but yeah. I also feel self-conscious that I asked you about Arsenal and we've spent four-fifths of the time <laughs> talking about my well, coach. All right, so expertly done segue, because I was going to say, I've sort of had the opposite flip-flop, because in many ways, I felt like Arteta and Solskjaer are similar coaches, where it's like you're hiring players who are well-loved by fan bases, used to play there, you know, differing time periods. I mean, Arteta is... It's very strange because he was captaining the team like really not that long ago. You know what I mean? And so like, I mean, there are guys in this team like Bayerine before he went off to Spain this year and whatnot. Like he played with some of these guys as players. You know what I mean? So there, there's already like a strangeness there. And but I always felt like that where like Arteta was very when he was at Man City with Pep, you know, obviously Pep is like this mastermind, but Arteta, that's an amazing face that you just got frozen. That's got my ringtone. Ar- my, my my like morning alarm uh, went off, and it's you're gone, and I've got to stay high all the time. Like you can't afford the rights to that, by the way. So you're gonna. <laughs> that's why I stopped it and sung it. Yeah, we're gonna have to use Zencaster to slow that up a lot, and then speed it up a lot to make it unrecognizable to the copyright. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to Zencaster, bitch. Oh <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I I was kind of I've kind of flip flopped on Arteta. Where at the beginning I was thinking like maybe Ole is like too good of a story to be true, but like it's hard to argue with how well this team is playing, and now their performance is arguing against it. Whereas Arsenal have gone the opposite way. We lost the first three games of the Premier League season. Now we've won three games in a row. The last three games that we've played, and. You know, it's like suddenly things are starting to look right. And then when you start, you start, I don't know, now that we've had some good results, you start applying the benefit of the doubt that he probably deserved all along, which is, hey, he's had one and a half seasons. Pretty much all of that was COVID time, which he actually had and most of his squad had at some point. You know, when we lost to Brentford in the first week, I think we had two or three players out with COVID, like much less other things that players were out with. This was the first time that he kind of had his guys in the team and we trash Spurs, who, you know, they're another team that until a couple weeks ago, like United, people said they're going to be right there in the thick of it. Um, and that's a team where, I mean, if we want to talk coaches, like Espirito Santu is absolutely out of his depth. And he's it's funny because as a, as probably you have felt this as well, I've definitely felt this as an Arsenal fan. I think any of the, like any of the sort of top six teams when we've had our moments where we have a lot of finesse in the side, like a lot of Ozil and a lot of Cazorla. And it's like, 
sometimes you just say like, oh man, we should just get somebody in here who's going to yell at him and make them all play like Troy Deeney and make them get a foot in there and, you know, like... Roy Kent, mate. You need Roy Kent. Right. Like, we need a whole... Like, let's just... I'm sure that there's a manager we could hire that will turn our whole team into, you know, Patrick Vieira's. That'll work. But that's totally, like, an irrational thought that I think every football fan has had. And I think Spurs did it. And, God, I'm so glad they did it and not us. Because... They fired probably the best young manager in the world. I mean, you guys tried to get him for a while, right? Pochettino. Oh, I'm like, you mean, was it Ryan Mason? Like the, the guy who took over <laughs> for like three days? I'm referring to AVB. You remember him. Uh, <laughs> you have three of yeah. my favorite no, letters. <laughs> three solid letters. But I, I mean, they, they got rid of arguably the best, most talented young manager in the world. And then they replaced him with a guy who basically is just good at standing still and looking tough on the sideline. And like, I, I have definitely been dumb enough at times to wish that we had a manager like that at Arsenal. Now are you talking about Mourinho? They got it instead. (laughs) Did you skip Mourinho (laughs) in the, in the Spurs manager, manager provenance list? I did skip him. I mean, that was such a weird blip for them. That was another one though, where I was like, honestly, if they just hang on to him, they'll be fine. Like, They'll be fine for them. They may not win anything, which they haven't won anything forever, but they'll be like a solid top six, quote unquote, team. You know, they'll be hard to play against. And they were with him for a while. But but when when will enough people look at Mourinho's LinkedIn profile to predict what's going to happen next? Like right now, he's currently managing Roma and they are flying higher than they have in a while. And so let's use our time machines to go to September 30th, 2022. I do not know if he will be their manager by then. But the, the interesting thing about Mourinho, and this has not worked, it didn't work at Spurs, but that could just be a Spurs thing. And, it, you know, it, he used to be a guy that you hired, immediately won a title. Within three years, everyone in your team wanted to kill each other. Because and it was like, it was a deal with the devil. And it was probably a deal that a lot of clubs would be willing to make. But he, it's because his methods, if going back to when he started kicking ass, was what, like 2006? Like, when did Mourinho yeah. start managing, like, top tier? 2004? I want to say that's right. But his style is using toxic masculinity as an immediate and direct <laughs> and blunt motivator. And right. with, when you, let's say 15 years ago, the players in your squad that were 30 all reacted to that and all were raised all were raised around other players who reacted that way. And, and so now Mourinho, same guy, same approach, a player is 18, like grew up with Snapchat existing. I don't like it's, it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same mind that he's interacting with as a manager anymore. So like people like think about the way that you would react in a workplace twenty or thirty years ago to certain behavior that now would get you fired. It's, it's For sure. almost like the same thing in football, but it's just a little bit lagging behind. So yeah, M- Mourinho. I don't know. Maybe Italian players are more reactive to the like. Hey, are you a man or are you a man? I do think there is some machismo to be. Oh. Yes, you can get a band aid, Lucy. The voice that you hear is that of Mikel Arteta. He calls <laughs> yes. Jeff whenever he's hurting, whenever he's got a boo boo. Yeah, he's got some pretty weird, some pretty weird stuff that he likes to do. But whatever keeps him happy. If he, he keeps, talks, he talks in Arteta voice. <laughs> Jeff, help me with my team, Jeff. 
All right. Conversation time machine. You were talking about generational differences. Have I told you this story about the like sort of young, I don't know, like probably not world class level prospect, but like a legitimate like 14 year old soccer phenom that I played a men's league game with a while back? I mean, we didn't play together when I was 14, Jeff. <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> Fuck you. That was like, that was the most graceful deflection. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the this kid, he, you know, he came out, he was like much, much better than all the men who were playing in this league, but also like tiny and, you know, we could sort of push him around a little. So it like evened out, but his skill wise, he was like off the charts. And then, you know, I was talking to him after the game and I asked him like, oh, do you watch a lot of soccer too? And he said, oh yeah, I watch like a ton. And then I kept... I kept asking him questions and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was trying to tease out like, what is your team? You know what I mean? Like talk to me about this game and he sort of wouldn't bite. And I was like, Oh, that's funny. They that won't tell me. And then eventually he basically just said, dude, like I don't really watch full games. Like I went for me watching soccer is watching YouTube and watching skills. And like, you know, some of it is like Tigers. instructional where he's watching like some of it, you know, some of it is just like guys getting nutmegged for 10 minutes with like a bad techno track playing. But some of it is like, you know, like watching coaching and stuff. But for him, like he he doesn't he wa- he watches the game like in a Snapchat way, whereas like we grew up watching the game in a feature length film way. And to me, Mourinho, like it's it would be hard to convince an 18 year old player to play like he does because it's boring. And like if you haven't actually watched the whole 90 minutes, why would you want to play like that? Like if you don't you're, you don't have the faith that you're going to squeeze out that one nil victory that he likes to go for. Like, why would you want to do that? Or, or go out there and play while you're hurt because you're a man like that kind of shit as well. Yeah. It's like he's like, no, nah, yeah. bro, I Googled it. It said ACL. You got to be out for six whole months. <laughs> this is going to hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and then if I hurt my ACL, they stop paying me lots and lots of money, and I can't buy the expensive champagne. Should it make us mad that we started talking about Arsenal, and I made it about Man United, and then we made it about Spurs, and then we made it about Mourinho? It's like it's like mm-hmm. when you meet a new girl, and you're going on a date, and <laughs> within 10 minutes, you're like, and my ex was such a bitch, let me tell you. About it. Like, it's like that's... Like we no, were but not over the, him. But it's not like that though, because like in football, the best part is talking about the things that you hate. Whereas like in relationships, at least for me, my favorite part is not talking about how much their ex boyfriend's not as cool as I am or how much like I want to get one over on that guy. It's great that you bring up Jeff. The best thing in, in about soccer is talking about the things that we hate. Yes. Because uh and I don't know if you did your homework. <laughs> Because oh. I did it. Oh, I could do it on the fly. I'll I don't do think, it right. I don't think you can because it took me like an hour to do this. But um, we'll watch me suffer though. But yes, go but, ahead. Right, tell, so them Jeff, about, tell them about our homework assignment. So Jeff and I, because we have nothing better to do in our lives, uh, challenged each other. It's probably my fault, but challenged each other to rank the teams in the Premier League from most beloved to least liked or most hated. Um. And it's great. It's a great exercise because the obvious answers are uh, your favorite and your least favorite. Like the polarization of it is easy. It's getting to like what's number 10 and 11 in the middle of your rankings. That that was hard. It was hard to figure it out. So that's why I think it's like it'll be like you'll know like two on either end and then you'll just be like in the middle is an assorted hodgepodge of clubs. True. 
I mean, but, and you can definitely parse that, but uh, yeah, for me, like, I think it'll surprise you what is on my most hated end, though. Oh, I thought you were going to surprise me. Like, uh, Skylar, I also think United is my favorite club. I thought you were going <laughs> to yeah. really shock the audience there. That would be pretty shocking. Twist. Well, then like, give us the easy one, Jeff. Uh, you're right. a Nor- Norwich City fan? <laughs> uh. I, I would say, like, weirdly, because of that one really beautiful Jack Wilshire goal that we watch constantly, um, we Arsenal fans, against Norwich City, like, weirdly, that bumps them up in my mind, like, because we beat the crap out of them one time 10 years ago, it, like, I don't know, like, if I have pleasant memories of beating that team, like, it's kind of okay for me. But that's, but that, I think, in this case, it's so subjective that, like, if you were like, oh, I went to their stadium and they had a great hot dog, like, that could make it a top five club for you. Like, it's not, oh, yeah. there's there's no other uh, equity you should have built up in a lot of these clubs. So that, I think that's valid, but, uh, but Without not to distract doubt. you, is it, it's Arsenal is number one for you, right? I would say yes. Arsenal, absolute number one, far so, and away. So you then know. who's number two? Number two is tough. Um, do you hate Spurs or do you love that they exist as a punchline? It's weird because so I was going to get to that. So like our, obviously Arsenal is number one. If I did it in reverse order, Spurs is obviously at the bottom, but it's they're actually not the team that I hate the most because on some level, like I hate Chelsea and Man City in a different almost, it's like a meta hatred. Like I hate what they stand for. I hate what they're about. I hate that they even exist in the format that they do. Whereas like our traditionally our two biggest rivals from Arsenal are Man United and Spurs. But like, and I do like, I really want to beat you guys when we play you. And I really want to beat Spurs when we play them. But on some level, I don't, I mean the Glazers a little bit, but like, I don't think that they represent everything that's wrong with football. I think they only represent some of the things that are wrong with football, which is a massive step up. And there's a world where they go away and the club remains and that what's left behind is still maybe like traditional and proper and pure or whatever, however you want to describe what makes a Very club much. worth worth supporting. I, so can I can I do you? <laughs> <laughs> can um, you do me? What do you mean? So, where like where in in my top twenty? Where do you think I have Arsenal? I think you would have Arsenal in a similar place to where I have Man U, like in like a sixteenth, seventeenth kind of place where it's like you want to they're they're a rival, but also you don't like hate their them to their core. You hate them as a football team. All right, so I'll I, I wrote a small essay for this. <laughs> All right, M. I have Arsenal at number nine. So in my That's top in my top ten, and mid table so irrelevance for Arsenal again. <laughs> I said no, but so I said I can't say I quote unquote like Arsenal from the time when we were going toe to toe and they mm-hmm. were a less moneyed version of a present day Man City, but making some Arsenal friends alongside the club's pretty big drop in performance slash standards have made it harder to hate Arsenal outright. I'd rather they recover become a strong threat in the league slash Europe, and then go back to hating them at full strength. Complicated feeling. So it's like, Arsenal is, I don't know, somebody that I dated a little. We we were never in a committed relationship. We dated a little. It was weird. But then I look back and I think, if I had been more mature, we could have been better friends. That's kind of the level of complication. Wow, and wow that and is complicated. And maybe I messed that up because that's probably that doesn't sound super accurate the, the, with the metaphor I went with. But, 
But like it's being ninth to me isn't about irrelevance um, because mm-hmm. then it would have probably gone higher. It's more about like I'm sure you're disappointed with Arsenal's sort of uh, place in the pecking order, and I think that's I share that disappointment because it's like I mean mm. I like. I mean, and my my most hated you predict is Liverpool because I think they're the Red Sox of of football. But basically, when Liverpool was like wimpy, like you know, I think it was like right after their Champions League win against Milan, uh, Arsenal went back to like being wimpy for a while, and that wasn't great TV. You know, like it's it's better when they're terrifying, and then you beat them anyway, and then it's like that's like a nectar. Yeah. Sorry, I can keep talking if, if, <laughs> if you want me to. Um, yeah, you're good. Who do you, all right, so who do you think my second favorite club is? And I'm wondering if it's the same as yours. Or I could just tell you, which is my second favorite club. In case anyone's wondering what's going on, Jeff, is somehow parenting and podcasting at the same time, which I've heard so many podcasts where they can't do just the one. And Jeff does both. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I'm not doing a very good job podcasting right now. Um, all right. Well, let's yes. be fair. You're not. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> the good news is the pressure is low and the expectations are lower. So yeah. you're still thriving. So so who is who is your after Arsenal? This is your second favorite club in the Premier League. My second favorite? You know what? All right. So obviously I didn't think this out quite as much as you. So I may alter this later. I think I, it, for me it would be between Leicester um or Southampton cuz like I mean Southampton's fallen on hard times a bit lately but like I mean they just produce such great football to watch and so many great players there for a while there was just, it was just this fountain coming out of there um they're they're a really nice one and then obviously like Leicester you know they had the impossible dream and even still I think like let, there's a thing where I really feel like we could take a page out of their playbook of like we can't, we're never going to play like Real Madrid again. There may have been a moment with like Bergkamp and Henri where we could have done that for a millisecond, or at least we thought we could have, but like we could play like Leicester. And I think we're getting more, we're getting back to that. We're like, we're getting more young players. We're getting people who like to run and you know what I mean? We're playing a more aggressive style, but like, I, I, I like, I legitimately watch, I like watching Leicester play. So, All right, what was yours? so if you're so if you're if you're making decisions at Arsenal, it's Mo Lester. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Jeff. That is my number two as well. Uh, really? How could you not be? Sorry, this is the essay I wrote. If it sounds pre-written, it's because it was. How could you <clears> not <throat> be a little bit of a fan of the club that won the league against every possible obstacle? They should not mm-hmm. have won the league or even come close, but they have, and they built possibly the best run club in the EPL as a result, uh, even when they've beaten us and Jamie Vardy has ruined my weekend, it's hard to ignore what they've accomplished. It's like, it's the best underdog story well ever followed by like not squandering that momentum. And, and that is a, it's a good distinction to make because the second part to me is more surprising. Like, I mean, there's only 38 games in a premier league season. Like we've all seen teams just get like absolutely red hot. You know what I mean? And then, like, so that, it's not, like, obviously, if you play enough Premier League seasons, there's going to be some fluke champions in there. But, like, 
the idea, like they've really kept it together and it hasn't been a fluke at all. And that I, I almost expected them to be like relegated again two years later or something. You know what I mean? Like I, I expected them to have almost like the, I mean, if you look at uh, like Sheffield United, they came in the league that first season that they were in the premier league, that they were back. They were a great team. Fantastic. Like, and they were similar to Leicester where you liked watching them play. They were just like, they, they hustled, they were like doing it. And then now they're back in the championship. You know what I mean? Like this is this is a slippery flagpole of a league. They people slide down very easily. Well, Leicester was one of the first clubs, at least uh, uh, that made a big splash as a result. That committed to data and committed to like deep analytics. And like instead of it just being sort of more traditional scouting methods, Leicester is like, all right, there's this guy. It's like Leicester gets access to all the FIFA ratings of players in lower leagues, and they're like, this guy's fast as hell. With the way we play, we could turn an, a player who's playing in, like, what was Jamie Vardy in, like, the seventh division, working for, like, a steel he, mill? Yeah. He was in the division that you can just, like, if you're in a pub at the right time, you might get put on that team. <laughs> not or, quite, but yeah, it's like the team is, li- it's literally the pub is the team. And, right. And then let's fast forward a decade, and he is talked about as one of the greatest Premier League strikers of all time. Like he's, and he only really got started in his late twenties. It's it's just so crazy. He's spoken about as one of the best. I mean, maybe like as a name or as a story, but definitely he's had like three. No, I guess spent more than that he's now. He's got over a hundred Premier League goals after the age of whatever. Like he's yeah, that's if, a good if, point. If he had started at like I don't know twenty, I think I think he'd be up there like Rooney territory because that's that's the explosiveness that he had and now he's 33 34 and slowing yeah. down a little bit goals are going down a little bit but he's like still a terror and yeah. and it's like and also the other half of it which made it into our podcast theme song mm-hmm. uh Jamie Vardy's chat shit get banged like his attitude of just he is like the new most New Jersey trash person i've ever seen that's <laughs> he's the real the he's the yeah. real medford messy <laughs> he, he probably wouldn't be allowed into medford because he is such garbage but like but that's what makes him charming he's like an anti-hero in soccer in football yeah no 100 percent uh all right even even Let's... his oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, even his wife like starting fights with wayne rooney's wife over instagram by like leaking yeah. her secrets to the pre- it's like and, i just love it they're so yeah, exactly every every other like wife of a football player who did that i would hate but for some reason in this case i absolutely love it you i rebecca vardy i know her name i don't know any yeah. other <laughs> i know like colleen rooney rebecca vardy and like whatever like I don't know, team of women that Robin Van Persie dates. Uh, like, <laughs> he's, I, he's a tough one because all of his family, they're still Gooners. Like his kids are still like massive Arsenal fans and they were like very disappointed. I mean, but they're probably happy for the dad when he won a title. Mm, they're probably unhappy about it. Probably a lot Papa! of weird feelings. Papa, <laughs> this is Mikel Arteta. Way. By the way, <laughs> Mikel Arteta. One of Van Persie's kids, famously. <laughs> but I just think that, like, the, the serendipity of Mikel Arteta's voice now being a three-year-old child's voice, I think that should remain on this podcast. That should become, like, a new recurring. Yeah. 
Like whenever I, we're talking we about Arteta, change his voice when he changes his hairline. As long as he has the hairline of a three-year-old, he gets to speak like a three-year-old. If he gets let go at any point as Arsenal manager, he could be like a model who sells like wallets. One hundred percent. Like, yeah, he's like a J.C. Penny model <laughs> yes, of like, yes. man, those are some pretty good slacks. Like, <laughs> look how he's standing next to that. Mike or Mike Foreman, George Foreman grill. Mike Foreman yeah. is the brother of George Foreman. It's half the price. <laughs> Look at that smile on his face that looks obviously forced. He's like, I'm grilling, but then the grill's not plugged in. The fire's not yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, even get to eat these burgers. Speaking of wallets, I was mm. in the shower this morning and I started just saying for no reason, William Wallet. And I started thinking I wanted to sell Scottish leather goods and call it William Wallet. Well, oh, I get it. And then whenever there's a sale, we just yell, freedom, like really loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buy one, get one, freedom. I've come to claim my discount. <laughs> <laughs> That's dark. That, that could get dark. Um, what else Skyler, What else do we got to talk professional about? Professional copywriter. Um, I wouldn't say professional. Um, what, what, how, many, how many more minutes do we got, Jeff? I don't care if the audience knows about our scheduling woes. I gotta get out of here in about five minutes. So. Okay. What do you want to talk Would about? You like five to have minutes? a Jerry Springer? Oh, you know what? I want to. I want to hear your bottom five, your most hated teams in the Premier League. Well, Pep Guardiola is definitely a bottom. So let's start with him. Just kidding. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of though. Like Man City is at the bottom. No, but it's just not because of Pep. It's not. So Liverpool is at the bottom because okay. they're. I just. I hate to use confirmation bias as a reason, but every Liverpool fan I've ever met is a jerk. <laughs> every no single one. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, a mutual classmate of ours from grad school is like passable. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't name. He's names. more than passable. More than passable. But yeah, he's ma- he could, he's a good. He's a good. I'm dude. sorry. There's some choices that I can't forgive you for, like being an anti-vaxer is one. Being a Liverpool, being a fan, Liverpool fan is another. Fan is the other one. Being well, you're Liverpool, missing out on a good guy with that guy. Being a Liverpool fan who is an anti-vaxxer, it's like, you know what I want for your future. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, City is is 19th place. And wow. I think it's... The reason I hate Liverpool more is because I think they deserve more respect. And that's, that's yeah. interesting. It's like, I hate them more because they have... All of their success has not been financially uh, bankrolled by a a Saudi prince or a nation state or, or a trillionaire or what, like, right. They, they, they are the Red Sox in that, like the Red Sox. I would, I hate them sure. so much. It's an organically fans. built team. Yes. And there's a respect to that. Even if the behavior is crap, even if everything they, they do is meant to ruin my life. Right. Even if like their fans behave like horses asses when we're having a moment of silence for like a tragedy, like, when it comes down to it, it's like at least they're not plastic. Like being plastic as a fan base or as a club is probably the worst thing that you can do. Yeah. We haven't even discussed El Plastico, the uh, Manchester City <laughs> PS Chelsea. Oh, I thought you were going to say Chelsea. There, there was a whole like there was a list that someone compiled of every pun on like Twitter and Reddit about it. It was like it was like oil cashico, El Plastico. And like there were some pretty good ones, I have to say. I mean, but, but, but does it, do you think, and maybe this is the topic, maybe this is the, the social justice issue we could cram in at the end. Like, 
is the future of this sport either you become a state-funded slash company-owned club or you perish? Is that like, if you look far enough into the future, is is that going to push everything to Super League? Is that going to push everything to yeah. like, well, the kids are Snapchat kids, so now uh, soccer is going to be quarters instead of halves. <laughs> like, they've already discussed yeah. it this year, and that freaks me the fuck out because nobody's asking for it. But they're thinking that people want it. Yeah. No, I mean, there. I mean, I, I think that that's one of the most amazing parts of the game that I think we'll definitely see. It will it will get lost in our lifetime one way or the other. I'm going to blame the drinks break for this, but we the will we will not break. have 45 minutes of uninterrupted commercial free action in this game forever. Then so why whether not, that's quarters, why not, why not let it be like NFL drinks breaks? I mean, even now, like I pay for a subscription. Sorry, and like. They will do that little thing where the the game will become a small part of the screen, and then the like part on the outside will be trying to get you to bet on something. And it's like, I paid for this. Like, you know, just give. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be like if I paid for a Beatles record and one track of it was just the Stanley Steamer theme song. Like, that's not okay. Like, well, what if you paid for a Beatles record and a quarter of it is just uh, razors? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. you're like oh man G- Gillette what are you doing here I wanted to go down to my yellow submarine excellent product placement used heroin needles no. yeah. and you're like I'd like to be clean shaven and like you just don't even realize <laughs> yeah that you don't even know until you're in the middle of the song oh it was an ad hey Jeff yeah. did you see that goal Ronaldo scored it was Lego it was a Lego ad <laughs> I thought I thought <laughs> the scoreboard didn't change but Ronaldo scored this goal it was it was made out of Legos um, yeah the version that the other team scored was totally different. It doesn't it sound like very quickly it becomes like almost like soccer conspiracy theory like tin foiling about like not only are good they're going to turn the game into quarters they're going to replace the ball with like a, a different product every <laughs> because you can see how people well they, I was going to say that's the history of football though it is at every point where they've had a chance to not incorporate more money and more commercialism into the game they've said. Nah, we'll build a Premier League. I mean, even going like all the way back, like I think if I were like in a football club back when it was actually a club of people who just wanted to play football, and they were like, "Should we have like a professional player?" I'd be like, "No way!" And then we would be the old Etonians or whatever. We'd be like some team that you never hear of anymore because we would have adopted my quaint, you know, non-pragmatic styling. How about Wrexham AFC, the one of the oldest? I think it's like the fourth oldest club in the world, non-league football. Yeah, I I think that's kind of amazing that it like keeps going on. Like if I, I I think if I lived in the UK, which I don't, I've never even really stepped foot there. Like I think I would be pretty inclined to like follow lower league football. Like I think there's just something about it. it's t- it's a very different to me. It's very it almost has nothing to do with the kind of football that I watch now. You know what I mean? Like, but I would love to follow like a team in the third division or something that's like it's super local and everybody's having fun and it's 10 bucks to get in the game and whatever do you want to follow my pickup team because it might be similar level i'm a diehard now <laughs> okay i have to go do working play our podcast theme song all right are you wimble done with this podcast i am wimble don i am mk don with this <laughs> that was way too loud wasn't it there we go. Still Pretty way loud. too loud. All right. Uh, this has been <laughs> The Devil Presents. Still sounds normal on my end. You didn't hear that go like, Whoa. Nope, totally fine for me. It did it for me. Huh.
Alright, we'll see what it sounds like in the recording. We will see. Alright, well, chat shit tonight, okay? Indeed. Alright. Chat shit, everyone. Peace.